Welcome to the Retirement Pilot with Steve Hoover. Please discard unnecessary fees and expenses before going through security. Check your emergency fund at the gate and securely stow your well-conceived portfolio in the overhead bin. And when we reach cruising altitude, remember, you are now free to move about retirement. Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast. This go around here on the Retirement Pilot. Steve and I are going to talk to you about some tax tips, a little recap for 2021, looking back at 2020, as well as a few things for 2021 that you might want to ponder as we are getting ourselves firmly into tax season. And so uh, we're going to talk about this today. Steve, what's going on, buddy? How you doing? I'm doing great, Mark. How are you? Hanging in there. Not doing too bad. Uh, you know, it's that time of year, right? We, you know, as retirees, pre-retirees, hopefully we're thinking about tax planning all year as a, you know, as part of a, our strategy for retirement uh, versus just tax prep. But hey, it is what it is, right? People, we get to February, March, and everybody's thinking about April and all that good stuff. So figure we'll share a few things to think about. Sounds great. Let's okay. get at it. All right. So uh, stimulus payments. Let's talk about those, Steve. Any conversation you've heard or some things that you're seeing about the stimulus payments, are those taxable from last year? And, and do you see any impacts going on with that? No, those are not taxable. Essentially what those those stimulus payments were with basically a, a return of our taxes that we paid last year uh, or the year before. Right. So they are, no, they are not taxable. Okay. Any credit issues? I've, I've heard that the, if you didn't get the, what was it, 1200 on the one or 2000 on the one and 600 on the other, I didn't get it. So I've heard that there's some differences there. So you may want to check with your CPA that if you only got like the $600 one, there could be a credit issue. Then they issue that through your tax return. So something to ponder, right? Yeah. Anything that has to do with that, you definitely need to talk to your, your tax preparer. But as, as I understand it, it's not, quote, taxable income to you. So you're not okay. going to have to declare that on your taxes as income. Gotcha. And I'm sure that if you're using the software services, you know, like H&R Block or, you know, TurboTax, hopefully it's got those, it's got some lines in there for it. But it certainly is something to consider. Now, a lot of the people that are listening to our show or that are checking out our podcast, they're either working with you and they're probably working with a CPA. And I know you have great relationships with uh, your clients who do both. You have a good, you know, kind of team there where you've got that CPA and sometimes an elder law attorney and the financial advisor. So it's good to have all those kind of components working together for a lot of the folks that you know listen to our podcast. Um, any changes in tax brackets? I, I think they changed the upper tier, but I don't think anything's changed from 19, correct? Uh, nothing's really changed. Um, actually, even 19 or 20. The only thing that's really changed is they've kicked up a little bit of the standard deduction. Okay. Uh, the standard deduction went up just a few hundred dollars. But when you file your 2020 return, you're going to file it just like you filed your 19 return, which will be uh, if your standard deduction does not exceed your itemized deductions, then you obviously take your standard deductions. And yeah, they've, yeah. they've increased that quite a bit. And a lot of people really don't exceed the standard deduction with itemized deductions. Mm, so okay. um, they've done that. And, and also one of the things, they didn't do anything to the tax brackets um, themselves, percentage-wise. Oh, okay, uh, right. Uh, but what they did do is they did increase the amount that's subject to a 10% bracket, the 12%, the 22%, et cetera. Oh, I gotcha. Okay. Yeah. What they do is they just kick the income levels up each year. But in terms of the overall brackets, they're still the same. Now, okay. And you may be getting to this, so I may be jumping Sure. Ahead. No, you go for it. What, what they're looking at in 2021 is to make some changes to the current tax system. That's under the new administration. They're looking to increase taxes on the higher income levels. 
Um, and that probably wouldn't take effect for, you know, obviously for filing for 2020, but it could for not filing for 2020, for 2021. But right. you need to be aware of it for 2021 because what they're going to end up doing is they'll retro it back to January 1st. Right. So if you're in the higher brackets, um, you need to be aware that, that they could easily kick the higher bracket up to 39.6 like they did before. Uh, they may even mess around with the 35% brackets and, and so on. Yeah. The, when I've been telling clients is, look, if, if you've got income under probably as a couple under 170000 you're probably not going to see an increase, even if they'd make a change to the tax code in your tax bracket, because mm-hmm. they're going to keep the 10%. Everybody pays, believe it or not, it's a blended rate. So everybody pays 10% or a portion of their money, then 12% on their money, right, and then 22%, right. et cetera. And it's a blended rate. Um, but if you're underneath that level, you're probably not going to see anything change when they go ahead and make change. And they are going to make changes. I mean, I it's, it's yeah, I'd be going shocked. to happen. <laughs> right, if they didn't, it's going right. to happen. I mean, we're at $28 trillion of debt right now. Yeah. We haven't even gotten the new stimulus put through yet. Yeah, so um, they're going to have to raise revenue. So that's, that's um, something to keep in mind. But for most people that, as I said, are, that stay under about $175,000 a year of, of taxable income, Probably not going to see any change. Anybody a, above that, couple, I think there's right. going to be some changes. Yeah, yeah. but uh, we don't know yet. Well, you know, you were talking about you know some of those changes and and some of that stuff and and maybe getting bumped up in tax bracket. So let's talk about RMDs. Now that was obviously forgiven or waived for 2020 due to CARES Act and COVID. Uh, relief, so on and so forth. Uh, we have not heard that that's going to be the case for 2021. So if you turn 72 last year or this year, you're going to have to face that RMD this uh, this go round. That is correct. So that is, as I've been looking and reading, they're probably not going to waive that again. It, that was a one-time thing when right. we had the, the pandemic and all the different things. And as things are getting better, the vaccines rolling out, the, the infection rates are going down, death rates are going down. Some things may start to go back to normal, which means there'll be more people. You won't see the volatility in the stock market. That's what really caused a lot of that. So we'll probably, we'll, I know I've been advising clients to, to be aware they're probably going to have to take their distribution. Mm-hmm. If they don't need to take it right now, I have been advising just wait until the summer, uh, fall, because we don't have to get it out until the end of the year. Anyway. I say deadline right at the end of the year, right, Steve? Yeah. So, yeah. so if you don't need it, then you could just kind of put it on the back burner. We'll, we'll address it later in the year. And if they do happen to change it, I don't think they're going to, but if they do, right. Uh, at least you you have the option or the choice whether or not to take it. I had clients last year that took it in January and are like, "Golly, I didn't need this," and <laughs> and then they waived it, right? Yeah. It. But who knew what was going to? Sure, happen. of course, so, right? Yeah. So that's kind of where we are on that. But just make um, sure that you are aware that just don't get lulled to sleep that you didn't have to do it last year and you kind of forget about it this year because it's a hefty penalty if you do so. It's a big penalty. Yeah. And the one thing that people ask me, they'll go, well, Steve, why did, why did they change it to 72? What, why? And it's, well, what it was is enough people were getting, I'm sure people were saying, I don't need it. There was somehow a, a lot of people saying, I don't, I don't need to take this minimum distribution. Right. That's what some people have said. What I think it was, and one of the outgrowths of that was in order to pay for people not taking their minimum distributions at 70 and a half, they figured they could raise more money by getting rid of the non-spouse beneficiary stretch, which meant that if you left your retirement account to a non-spouse, right. to your kids, for example. Di- 
yeah, they could yeah. take their distribution spread out over their lifetime, and which was a huge benefit to the beneficiaries. Well, they changed that. And now if you're a non-spouse beneficiary, you have to have all that money out of that retirement account within 10 years. Yep. And that is a huge, huge revenue producer for the government. So they didn't really do it to be nice to you to keep it at 72. They did it because they saw that they could generate additional revenue Yep. Um, by taking that away. And there's even conversation they may move it to 75. I've heard some rumblings about that already as well. So uh, I have too, which means then, then, and if always remember this, and I want people to understand this, whenever the government does something like that, they're called revenue neutral. So if they, they raise it to 75, they know there's a certain amount of revenue that's not going to come in off the required minimum distributions. They, they can calculate that. They know exactly how much because every year they're told how much your retirement account is worth, mm-hmm. the form 5498. So they calculate it and they know. They'll have to have a corresponding tax increase someplace else to offset that. Mm. That was what happened on the 70 and a half to 72. Right. They knew, okay, well, if we did that, we get rid of the, the stretch provisions or the lifetime distributions for non-spouse beneficiaries. Boom, we can cover that and oh, there yeah. we go. And yeah. or get more revenue. Good, good information, man. Yeah, so definitely something to ponder, and that's why we're talking about some of these things here on this go-around on the podcast, The Retirement Pilot. Don't forget to subscribe to us if you haven't done so yet. We'd certainly uh, appreciate it and love to have you check out new episodes when they come out. Uh, the Retirement Pilot, you can find it on Apple, Google, Spotify, so on and so forth. Uh, a couple more here, Steve, before we wrap up this week. Uh, I've heard a bunch of people asking interesting questions around the home office conversation. With so many people working from home in 2020, obviously forced to, uh, a lot of folks are wondering, hey, can I write some of this stuff off expenses as part of the home office? Can you explain a couple of the quick rules? Because I think there's definitely confusion between being a contractor, uh, a small business, and then still being a W-2 employee and working at home. Yeah. For the most part, most people will not be able to right. because that is a miscellaneous deduction. Yeah. And that miscellaneous deduction is on your itemized deduction. And if you're an employee, a W-2 employee, as I understand it, you'll need to make sure you talk to your tax preparer yeah. or CPA. You are not able to deduct the home office expense. Right. Uh, the space. Like if you're a small business or a contractor, yeah. you can write off your, you know, the room, the bedroom that you turned into an office, that kind of thing, the square footage and all that stuff. But if you're a W-2 employee, you cannot. You cannot. Yeah. And, and the other part is, even if you were able to do that and let yourself employed, you know, it's, it's a miscellaneous deduction mm-hmm. and it, it, believe it or not, it's not huge. I mean, you, you have to take a percentage. You have to, it's a quite a, <laughs> a <laughs> you take the square footage calculation and then the, yep, yeah. determine mm-hmm. how much, if you have your own bedroom, that is five by five. Okay. How much is that, you know, percentage of the mortgage and insurance and utilities and all that? Yeah. <laughs> it's quite a it's quite a calculation that, to try to figure that, that for out. sure. That for sure it is. Uh, but just the bottom line is you're probably not going to be able to do that um, for most people. Yeah. Now, there is one thing and this I'm talking to, kind of to the people of Kansas City who work for a company in Kansas City, Missouri. Okay. And I'm talking this is local. Kansas City, Missouri has what's called a 1% earnings tax. So one percent of your gross income is paid to the state uh, to the city of Kansas, Missouri. Mm-hmm. Um, that is on the Kansas, Missouri side. Well, there are a lot of people that work in Kansas now, but we're working out of a Missouri office. Mm-hmm. But now they're in Kansas because they are in a home office. You are able to not have to pay 
that earnings tax if you can show you weren't working in the state of Missouri or the city of Kansas, Missouri, but were working in your home in someplace in Kansas or not in the Kansas City, uh, Missouri area. Gotcha. Again, that is that is also a complicated calculation, but you can you might be able to get a credit for that if you can document that you weren't working in Kansas City, Missouri. And again, you need to talk to your tax preparer who's very familiar with that. I know the city of Kansas City, Missouri is is lobbying against any of that <laughs> because that's a huge revenue producer sure. for the city. And they're already 70 million in the red in terms of revenue this year. Wow. So yeah. um, like a lot of places, I'm sure. Yeah. So it may not, it may be something, it's at least worth a conversation with your tax preparer CPA to see if you can avoid that 1% because that's, that's a pretty good chunk sure. for most people coming right off the top of your, uh, of your income. And if you're a small business and you took part in the PPE or the PPP, excuse me, uh, you also want to ask those questions as well, because there's some state specific stuff to that. Uh, where I'm at here in North Carolina, there is a difference from what the Fed is allowing you to do versus the state of North Carolina. So there's differences in various states. So uh, if you're a lot of, you know, Steve, you've got clients that are small business owners, you've got retirees, pre-retirees. So there's a lot of little nuances because of what's happened in 2020 that it certainly may be worth having some more in-depth conversations. Anything specific that you're talking with your clients or questions you've gotten from your clients about? The biggest one I've gotten so far, because uh, it's starting to leak out, is this change to the 401ks. Under the current administration, um, they are looking to make changes to 401k contributions. Okay. What they're trying to do is they're trying to level the playing field in terms of the lower income people getting a, a more of a tax benefit than the upper income. So in other words, an upper income executive at XYZ Company uh, puts away $20,000 a year in mm -hmm. their retirement account, right. 401k. Uh, they get a bigger tax deduction because they're in the higher tax bracket. Makes right. sense. Sure. Then your middle level employee who puts $5,000 away is in a lower tax bracket and gets a lower tax deduction or a reduction in their, their taxable income. What they're trying to do is, is even that out. And what they're looking to do is instead of letting you take a deduction off your income, they're going to give you a tax credit. And a tax credit is different than a deduction in that a tax credit is a dollar for dollar reduction in your taxable in, in terms of the tax you owe. So if you have a tax credit of $1,000 and you have an income tax that you have to pay of 1000 you would wipe that out. It's a dollar for dollar reduction okay. Good. Uh, in your taxes. Right. So what they're trying to do is trying to even this out. So they're just going to say, okay, you, you put 20000 away, you're in the 30% bracket. You get a nice, you know, a nice uh, tax deduction. And what we're going to do is give you a credit, and your credit in the upper income isn't going to be as good for the, as somebody in a lower tax bracket because a fifty-two hundred dollars right now at fifty-two hundred, it's a huge tax credit for somebody making fifty grand a year. Oh sure, yeah. But fifty-two hundred to an, to somebody who's in the thirty-five percent bracket, putting away twenty thousand dollars a year, that isn't that big an advantage to them at that point. So we'll see. I've been asked about that quite a bit. Is that going to go through? Right now, who knows? Um, that is part of the, the legislation. I think that will probably be something that's going to be kicked around um, after they get the stimulus piece put together and they can start working on uh, tax reform um, probably in the you know summer. Is gotcha. probably, right. they'll probably start doing it. But that's something to keep an eye on, yeah. especially if you're a higher income earner. And if that's the case, 
there'll be some tax planning options that you're going to have to look at that maybe are different than, than what you currently have. Okay. All right. Some good tips to think about here this week on the podcast. Uh, nothing super fancy, but little things that can slip by us sometimes. And it's always a good idea, especially when, again, as I mentioned earlier, if you're a retiree or pre-retiree, it's not just about tax prep, which is usually looking back at the past year. Uh, it's really also about tax planning and how to be as most efficient as possible in retirement. So if you've got questions or concerns, don't forget to reach out to Steve before you take any action. As always, with anything you hear on this podcast or any others, you always want to see how it's going to affect your specific situation. You can call Steve at 913-685-3207. You can also subscribe to the podcast at wealthpartnerskc.com. That's wealthpartnerskc.com and find the Retirement Pilot on Apple, Google, Spotify, and all the major platforms. Steve, my friend, that's going to do it this week for us. Thanks so much for your time, buddy. I hope you have a great week. You too, Mark. Thanks. We'll see you next time here on the Retirement Pilot with Steve Hoover. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.